Michael Sussman, the former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer who was indicted for lying to the FBI. You can see him here suited up with his lawyer. They were heading into court on March 31st. They had oral arguments on a very important motion, a pretty big motion. Don't have a ruling on it quite yet, but they were oral arguments on a motion to dismiss the case. This is coming from the defendant, Michael Sussman. As I mentioned, charged with the crime, allegedly went into the FBI, said, I've got all this information about Russia and Trump and all of this collusion, blah, blah blah, blah. Turns out none of that was true, but he was there saying, I've got all this information of my own uh, free will and volition. I'm kind of just happening to pass this off to you as a good citizen. Wasn't disclosing that he was actually a campaign lawyer for Hillary. And so all of this is taking place now to argue about these charges. He is saying these charges should never have been brought against me. They should be dismissed. What I was talking to the FBI about was not material at all. And so therefore this all should go away. And so he filed this motion in court on March 31st, several people were there for a big sort of oral argument session. You can see they were in front of Judge Christopher Cooper. We're going to see a little bit more about him. Oral arguments were there. Sussman's defense team submitted the motion to dismiss. We had a bunch of people there, some really good lawyers for the defense. We have Sean Berkowitz and we have Michael Bosworth, two guys we'll learn a little bit more about. And they were there arguing on behalf of Sussman for the government, the prosecutors, who usually I pick on a little bit. But here we have Andrew DeFilippis and Michael Kilty and some others. Now, these are U.S. prosecutors, special counsel prosecutors. And so a lot of their information is really sort of held under lock and key. So I don't know too much about them. But I got some photographs of the main parties that we can talk about here today. You can see this is a transcript that came over from Technofog, the one and only Technofog. So he's on Twitter uh, at uh, his Substack is probably the best place to go and follow him. Technofog.substack.com. He got the transcript somehow. This is where I first saw it. And uh, thank you to Technofog for sharing it. Does great analysis as well. So please go follow and support him over there. But this is what he posted on the internet. Said U.S. versus Michael Sussman. Of course, this is the case. Criminal action. The oral arguments took place Thursday, March 31st. Gentlemen that we see up here on the right is Judge Christopher Cooper, U.S. District Judge, and we're in court, in his court, today on a motion to dismiss. The people present, of course, we're going to have Andrew DeFilippis, government prosecutor, don't have a photo for him, but for the defendant, which is Michael Sussman, we have these two gentlemen. Now we've got Mr. Sean Berkowitz over here. Uh, he appeared, but he didn't do much talking, according to this transcript. Most of the argument was proffered forward by Michael Bosworth, an attorney who went to Yale, has a lot of background sort of, I think, I think he was a, I don't want to, I don't want to misstate his record, but I was reading through it and I was like, oh, that's a lot. The guy's done a lot. Smart guy, uh, accomplished a lot, good defense lawyer. And I, hey, defense lawyers are, you know, not too shabby out there. These are pretty good guys. Though. So let's take a look now and see what's going on here. We go uh, uh, into the courtroom. Proceedings start bright and early in the morning. Courtroom deputy says, all right, everybody pipe down. We're on the record. Criminal case 21-582 US of A versus Michael Sussman. Counsel, please identify yourselves for the record. So prosecutor says, good morning, Your Honor. I'm here. Court says, good morning. Good to see you. Berkowitz, as I mentioned, is this guy here. And he says, good morning, Your Honor. I'm here with a lot of other co-counsel. Co We've got Michael Bosworth, Natalie Rao, Catherine Yao on behalf of Mike Sussman. And they're all appearing in on video. And so the court says, oh, good morning, everybody. We have permission to proceed forward here on video. And Mr. Sussman says, yeah, we certainly do. Go ahead. Let's do this on video. And the judge, it sounds like he kind of um, has a has a connection with Mr. Berkowitz here, which is, you know, which is always interesting to take note of. In other words, they, they, they know each other. Mr. Berkowitz is in his courtroom probably regularly. And so he says uh, kind of uh, jovially, 
hey, Mr. Berkowitz. All right, Mr. Berkowitz, it's your motion. You're the defendant. You filed this. I thought I might be able to lure you to D.C. today, huh? But I guess not. Huh? Kind of joking. Yeah, I thought you might you know, come into the courtroom and come say hi to me. It's kind of a nice judge. And this type of banter exists in the law all the time. Nothing you know, strange about that. It's just kind of fun to see these relationships. You get to see what kind of lawyers are in the courtrooms more frequently. Berkowitz says back to the judge, oh, sorry, judge. Unfortunately, no. You know, I'm in New York now, but I've got Mr. Bosworth here who's with me, who is this guy. And he says he's actually going to be handling the discussion on the motion hearing, Your Honor. And so the court says, all right, Mr. Bosworth says, okay, well, please proceed, Mr. Bosworth. Bosworth comes in and says, Judge, listen, I know you've read these briefs already, and so I don't want to belabor any of the points here, but I just want you to know, very good defense language here, defense attorney language says, Judge, let me just summarize this all for you here. It's important to begin with this. You know, this is an unprecedented Beautiful. False statement prosecution. Love it. Unprecedented, Judge. I've never seen anything like this. This is outrageous and ridiculous, and I just think it's unprecedented. And quite frankly, I'm uh, outraged that we're even here to begin with. Sorry for wasting your time. But uh, let me explain my argument, Judge. And he says, to our knowledge, I want to be clear about this. Special counsel hasn't said otherwise. Never before has an individual, they write, been prosecuted for making a false statement that's ancillary to the tip itself. So we're going to spend a lot of time on this, but basically this boils down to what's called materiality. They're saying that when Sussman went into the FBI, he said something to them that was material, and then he said other things that were not material. And they're saying that he's being charged based on immaterial lies, essentially. Statements made to the FBI that are not consequential to the underlying conversation that is illegal under the law. And so we have to be very clear about this. When somebody's indicted, they don't just write a, and we've talked about the indictment here for Sussman in a lot greater detail. Please check out the video for that if you uh, want to look further. But in it, right, it, it talks about the law, the specific statute, the specific code and specific language. It can't be just like, hey, Michael Sussman's just kind of a general loser who did a bunch of wrong things against Donald Trump. It's got to be very clear, material false statement made that impugns the whatever, right, the actual language. So the defense attorneys are doing a very good job. They're saying, okay, you said that if we look at the law, he violated this, 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 and this, and this. We say, maybe those are true, but not this portion of it. And it's the materiality port part of it. They say, so today, you know, in addition to explaining any questions, we want to explain to you why we think the government, the prosecutor, why their theory of materiality doesn't support the indictment. Saying, yeah, look, Sussman came in, he said certain things to the FBI, but it was immaterial to that. So it's not illegal because it's not consequential. Here they say, we go on, it, it, he writes, we think that one of the reasons why the government and you, Your Honor, have never seen anything like this, it's because the tip you know in other cases was material. It was the subject of the investigation. Here, however, there's no allegation, and we're going to split this up in a minute, there's no allegation that Mr. Sussman made a false statement about something that was the subject of the investigation, right? Okay, so... The only false statement they say is charged here is that he was falsely representing whether he had clients in the meeting with the government, you know, the FBI in the first place. So let's break out what's going on here. When Sussman goes and actually sits down with the FBI, a lot of things are being said. He's communicating in great deal at length about all sorts of stuff, right? A lot of questions going back and forth. So one of the questions, of course, that is sort of problematic is the disclosure of whether or not he was there on his own free will and volition, or he was there on behalf of another client. And so what the government is saying is, 
that was very material. That that bit of information, whether he was there on his own or for Clinton, was so consequential, it really sort of threw the FBI investigation. If they would have known that, they would have proceeded differently. And they didn't know that, so they went a different direction. Well, what they're saying here, the Sussman's defense is saying, that that disclosure, whether they told the FBI that he was for Clinton or not, is totally irrelevant. The, what the FBI is there for is for the information. It's just what you put in front of them. It's just a conversation about Trump, Russia, collusion, all of that. That's the material part of this. They're saying anything else is just not material. The FBI would have had to do what they were going to do with that investigation, regardless of where it came from. So this is the argument they're making. They say, as Mr. Bosworth is making his arguments, the judge interrupts him and says, oh, hold on a minute here. Can I just ask one quick question of clarification? Bosworth says, of course, judge, it's your courtroom. Yeah, go for it. He says, I obviously don't have the benefit of any discovery in this case. So I haven't seen any of the police reports or any of the interview. I haven't seen anything. I'm a judge. I'm neutral. I'm supposed to be sort of removed from this. Based on your review on what you've seen, do you understand that Mr. Baker from the FBI will say that he asked a question? So let's think about the conversation here. FBI and Sussman. Is Mr. Baker saying that he asked a question saying to Mr. Sussman, uh, Mr. Sussman, are you here on behalf of any client? And the answer was no. So FBI asked, Sussman said no. Is that how it went down? Or did it go down like this? Or did he say that Mr. Sussman volunteered or otherwise affirmatively stated, I'm not here on behalf of any client? See how those are a little bit different. Might not seem real different. It's a little bit different. FBI is asking on, in one version of this, and we don't really know how this went down yet. Are you here on behalf of somebody else? And if he says, no, I'm not, right, that's kind of more volitional. They were inquiring. He lied. He provided false information versus the FBI just not asking about it and him just showing up saying, look, no, I just, hey, uh, uh, you know, what are you doing here? Well, look, I'm just here. I'm not here for anybody else. I just came across this information. Trump, Russia, blah, blah, blah. Which one was it? And so Mr. Bosworth says, Judge, Judge I, I, you know, I, I think it's actually the latter. I think that he said, I'm not here on behalf of any client, but we're not sure yet. Trial obviously hasn't happened yet. You know, we don't know what the testimony is, but I think it's probably the latter. And the court says, all right. He says, well, Judge, well, I'm, you know, I'm not even sure that this matters, but I'm just kind of thinking through these issues. And so this is what happens. You know, yes, a conversation took place, but we got to be very clear to tease out all of the different elements of that talk. It goes on. Bosworth, the defense attorney for Sussman, continues. He says, listen, the, the law is clear, though, right? And we cited some of this in our briefs. The relevance of this doesn't cut it. There's a difference between materiality and, re and relevance. So, yeah, it, it Sussman alerting the FBI that he worked for Hillary. Yeah, it's relevant. OK, like it's it's true. It's probably useful that they know that. But it's not illegal. It's not material. And so they're sort of talking about the bar of materiality and they're trying to argue that this doesn't reach it. They go through, they talk about the D.C. Circuit, the Ninth Circuit. They say, if you look at this specifically, you know, all of the different investigative steps that the government is suggesting we influenced here, saying that Sussman went in, had a conversation and influenced the FBI in order to do something. They're saying, no, look, let's take it bit by bit. There was actually no influencing here. He came in and he said certain things, but the fact that he didn't disclose he was with the Clintons didn't influence anything. So they walk through all the different steps and they say, listen, some of these might have gone different ways or whatever, but none of them really had a serious impact on the actual investigation. You know, it didn't change one way or the other, whether he was actually working with Hillary or not, didn't change anything. 
And the court said, okay, well, like that's your opinion, man. And you know, that sounds like an issue that might be appropriate for the jury, right? And you see the court saying again, why are those not jury questions? It's all relevant for the jurors. They can decide these issues. Okay, so it goes on. Now he says, and, and this goes on for a long length of time. We're fast forwarding a lot. For a related reason, he says, if the theory is that there was a grand conspiracy, so this is Bosworth, the defense attorney for Sussman, saying, listen, uh, summarizing all of this judge, coming to the conclusion of his argument here, says if there is a theory that there was some sort of grand conspiracy between Hillary Clinton and Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele and Michael Sussman to sort of, you know, shove information at the FBI, well, he, nobody's been charged for that. And okay. He says, there's no conspiracy charged in this case. And he says, even if you think that, and blah, blah, blah. And the court goes, the judge chimes in here and he says, okay, hold up though. I think that we're getting a little too far afield here there, Mr. Bosworth. Mr. Bosworth says, well, sorry about that judge. We sure are. You know, I got carried away. I had a couple of extra espresso this morning preparing for this oral argument. So uh, sorry about that. And that Bosworth says, the court says, anything else, sir, before I turn it over to Mr. DeFilippis? Bosworth says, no, no, we got some other things we got to talk about later. But I just want to conclude, Your Honor, in summation, I think that what's happened here is immaterial as a matter of law. We ask the court, a nice closing statement here, to dismiss the indictment for that reason. So we sort of wrap that up relatively quickly. We jump on. The court says, all right, well, thank you, Mr. Bosworth. Well done. Mr. DeFilippis, over to you. This is special counsel prosecuting now Mr. Sussman. Couldn't find a picture of this individual. Says, thank you, Your Honor. And I think the appropriate starting place after all that nonsense from that defense lawyer ugh, says we should start back here and go back with the legal standard. Okay, they're talking about materiality and all this confusing mumbo jumbo trying to confuse you, Judge. Very easy. There's a standard here. And I don't think the defense has even contested this in their briefs or, or their arguments smug prosecutors. Inciting the Knowles case and other DC circuit cases, he says, in a ruling on a motion to dismiss, the court must assume the truth of the factual allegations in the indictment, right? You sort of look at it in a light most favorable to the non-moving party to make sure they're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Here it says, and your honor, I think Mr. Bosworth himself mentioned in the indictment, specifically paragraph 32. And you remember, if we rewind a little bit, what Mr. Bosworth was doing is saying that there was nothing in the indictment that sort of connected the dots. And the prosecutor is saying, yes, there is, Judge. <clears throat> Hello, it's at paragraph 32. Let's take a look. He says, I think it's worth reading this just for everybody here, which says, quote, Sussman's false statement to the FBI general counsel was material, they say. They're explaining why it was material. It's in the indictment. It was material because, among other reasons, it was relevant to whether the FBI, to whether the FBI, the conveyor of these allegations, but they, they moved them forward, was providing them as an, or what he was providing them as an ordinary citizen or merely passing the information along or whether he was doing so as a paid advocate for clients with a political or a business agenda. So in the indictment, he's saying it's not, we're not confused about materiality. I'm telling you as material because they were having to decide between these two, basically decision trees. Is this more credible because it came uh, from a, a non-biased, a political person, or is this a paid shill for the Hillary Clinton campaign? Because if it is, well, that may, means maybe it's less credible. It carries on, says, so your honor, 
talks about re- relevant and materiality, the judge interrupts him for a second and says, hold on a minute. Now, let me just interrupt. And he says, yes, Mr. DePhillips says, yes, judge. Judge says, okay. All right. So what actions now does the government, meaning you, believe the FBI may have taken in response to what you say would have been a truthful answer? In other words, if the FBI had gotten the right truthful answer from Mr. Sussman, what would have happened? Prosecutor says, well, judge, I was going to get there if you'd stop interrupting me. He says, which sort of lays this out in the next paragraph. He says, had Sussman truthfully disclosed that he was representing specific clients, it might have prompted the FBI general counsel, the lawyer, to ask Sussman for the identity of such clients. Yes. Oh, you're here on behalf of somebody. Who is that? Oh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, she's running for president right now. That's very convenient. So she's got this gigantic dossier of garbage that's all turned out to be nonsense that she wants to shove down the FBI's gullet so we spread this propaganda out through the rest of the country. Uh, How about, no, we're not going to do that, right? Because we're supposed to be reputable FBI agents. So obviously, right, it's consequential. And the court says, all right, so let's stop right there then. All right, so let's break that down for a minute. DePhillipis says, okay, yes, your honor. Court says, all right, first of all, now I want to get clear back on that other issue we talked about. Is Mr. Bosworth correct when he was here during his argument earlier saying that the alleged false statement, the statement that Sussman made to the FBI is an affirmative one as opposed to a no answer to a question posed to him by Mr. Baker. Okay, this goes back to that question. Very specific. The judge wants to know now from the prosecution, did Mr. Bosworth respond to an FBI, I'm sorry, did Mr. Sussman respond to a question from the FBI saying, are you here on behalf of somebody else with a no? Or did he go in there and affirmatively say, hi, my name is Michael Sussman. I'd love to meet with the FBI. I've got some very important information. I'm just here on my own. Was it one of the, was it either or? Prosecutor says, I think it's the latter. I think he was at, he was somebody who came in and said affirmatively, I am here sort of on my own. He says, I think that's right. I think I actually agree with Bosworth, but it's hard for me to presume what a witness is going to say on the stand. So I can't, you know, I don't know what he's going to say when we call him up there during trial. I don't know what he's going to say. Court says, well, of course. Yeah, I mean, you don't know obviously yet, but, but he says, so let me just back up. So the theory I take it then, if I can summarize this for you, Mr. Prosecutor, I take it the government's theory is not that his alleged statement would have caused the FBI to open or not open a resource, uh, an investigation, or devote more or less to the investigation, but that the effect was that it lulled them into not asking a series of questions, follow-up questions that would have given them more detail underlying data, which then would have been material to the functions of the FBI. So you see what the judge is doing? He's connecting the dots. Okay. So it's not about whether they were going to open or not open an investigation because they were going to open it probably either way. It's not about they were whether they were going to devote more or fewer resources because they were probably going to put enough resources in there. So it can't be that materiality there. So what about this follow-up questions, which then would have given them more sourcing for the underlying data, which then would have been material to the FBI because now you got to go and investigate. All right, what is the underlying data? Then you got to go look into the Clintons, I guess, into the Sussmans and into the Mark Eliases and the Perkins Coy, all the lawyers over there, Michael Steele, the entire dossier. FBI would go into all of those things. That's pretty material to an investigation, is it not? So the judge says, so then 
now that I've worked through that. So a no answer to the client question caused Mr. Baker and others at the FBI to not ask the types of questions that Mr. Bosworth suggested. Sort of like, hey, Michael, where'd this stuff come from? You know, who gave it to you? What is this? And that they would have asked those questions if he had given a yes answer to the client's question, right? The FBI would have said, if he would have said yes, or affirmatively said, I'm here on behalf of a client, would have been a whole different conversation. Is that your theory, Mr. Prosecutor? He says, yes, judge, look, it's that, it's all of that. I think all of the, and not only might they have asked who the client was, but the indictment itself also says that in addition, absent Sussman's false statement, the FBI might've taken additional or more incremental steps before opening or closing an investigation. So he says, look, that gets at the point, Your Honor, referenced above about a preliminary or a poll or an assessment. It also says the FBI might have allocated its resources differently or more efficiently or uncovered more complete information about the reliability and the providence, the credibility of the purported data. Court says, all right, so listen here. I'm going to take this under advisement. I'm going to listen to these arguments, digest them, go have a nice cup of tea tonight, mull this all over. In the meantime, there are still outstanding issues. And so I need both of you, both sides, to get together and start working and briefing these issues up. Says, listen, everybody, while I'm mulling this over on whether to dismiss Sussman's case, which I really doubt that he will, he said multiple times in here that he thinks this is an issue for the jurors to take a look at. So I'm expecting the motion to dismiss is denied and that this moves forward. But there are other pending issues. He says, listen, do this for me. Go ahead and brief both of your issues. Give me a different scheduling proposals on when all this stuff should go down. The U.S. prosecutor, Mr. DeFilippis, earlier on in the transcript said something like the government's intent is to go to trial on May 16th. We're going to trial, he said. It's a hard date. So we're going to be moving stuff around, but that's when we're intending to go. Berkowitz, the defense says, okay, that works, but we've got a lot of discovery to go through. We've got several thousand pages of police reports and government documents investigating this, blah, blah, blah. It's all coming through. So we're going to have to talk about this. Uh, we're not going to be able to raise anything until we actually see what's there. Court says, all right, if there's nothing else and we're adjourned. See you next time. Both sides say thank you. And the hearing is adjourned. And so judge is going to take some time to obviously come up with a ruling on this. Certainly a lot more issues to follow in the Sussman case. If it's dismissed, well, then there you go. That's kind of the end of it. I really doubt that it is. I think it's very likely that this will move forward and that we'll see more sort of uh, tentacles of this investigation go in different places, but could be wrong about that. We do know that sometimes these interesting cases kind of just go away conveniently. Isn't that interesting how that works? We'll continue to follow it. I hope that you will join us in that journey. I would love it, love it, love it if you subscribed before you got out of here because I look forward to seeing you on the next one.